everybody. My name is Pastor Pastor Plate, the pastor of the Bedside Baptist Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. Oh, and did I tell you we Catholic too? That's right. Don't leave your brain at the door. No, no. Leave your money in the plate. <laughs> Don't disrespect my fried chicken or my chocolate cake. No, no. The doors of the church is open. Come on in. Every day and every night. At the Bedside Baptist Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. Don't leave your brain at the door. So many people have since COVID-19. 2011, 2020, and COVID-19, Life 101. Hmm. And now we have none other than Donald, not Donald, Kevin. Kevin Brown. I guess I left my brain at the door. <laughs> the other Brown. Good morning. The other Brown. How you doing, Ms. Fern? Hey, let me tell you something. You are the executive director, or are you the president of Project Young? I think I'm wearing two hats right now. Okay. All right. Uh but yeah, getting out there and engaging the youth, uh, educating them and empowering them in their goals. So that's what we're all about. Those three things, engagement, education, and empowerment. So engagement, is it all virtual or do you take them on site to different locations? Prior to COVID and even a little bit during COVID, we, we did an excursion. But there's a lot of precautions to be taken and make sure that their wellness is our priority. So we've been doing it primarily virtual to this point. Um, very little face-to-face uh, interaction, as, as least as possible until we get this health crisis under control. Mm. Well, we've got a drug, <laughs> but now they're determined who's going to get the drug first. I'm sure uh, emergency workers are going to be the first in line. Right. But in, in, in light of how education has had to change and had to, had to format using hybrid or virtual uh, technology. What about the parents that have caught up in the 21st century? I think it's a stressful time for parents. I think that a lot of the resources out there make it a little bit better. But even as a parent myself, my kids do virtual learning online. Uh, It takes a lot to just get into that rhythm of logging in every day and reading all those notifications and notes from the teacher and you know just going through that process um and i'm pretty computer literate so i can imagine a lot of the challenges uh that parents are going through during this time of virtual education well virtual education and then lack of employment and um, tie up in the senate uh passing bills to provide money for unemployment it's got so much to do and then with the uh, mentality of people today that's a thing that I don't think that we've really been stressing on. What is, what's, how is it affecting the mental health of so many people? Absolutely. And it's so unprecedented that all of these things are kind of a first. Maybe not a first in, individual, in an individual aspect, but the perfect storm of things um, with the economy, with the education restraints, uh, of course, the health concerns. There's so many things that are going on that, the mental aspect is something that we definitely should pay attention to and explore and try to find resources and, and look at our neighbors and reach out to them because isolation is a big part of that mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. When you feel like you're going through it all alone. All by yourself. Right. <laughs> you know? And in essence, I mean, I've had grandchildren and uh, I have one granddaughter 
She can read proficiently, but huh, comprehension doesn't get it. So what we have to do is we act out the parts of what she's reading, and then she's able to comprehend a lot more. Uh, we have an organization called Pike County Little Theater, and they're going to take drama to the schools when it's able for the books that they're assigned to read. That's an awesome idea. While you were talking about that, it made me think about my own daughter. She's six years old, and her first time reading a passage, she reads in monotone. There's no emotion to it, and we're looking at the punctuation, so we highlight it the second time around. That's an exclamation point, so you probably want to put some emphasis on that, or that's a question mark. So I think using drama and going through those processes allows them to put a different inflection on their voice mm -hmm. and actually get into the content of what they're <laughs> well, reading. It becomes a part of their story. I remember when I worked for the military and I was asked to read an instruction. You're retired military. Right. Air Force, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now, imagine basic instructions and how boring they can be. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And But when I got through reading the instruction, they were looking at me in awe because I would put so much emphasis on different parts of what that instruction was saying that it was almost a, dr a drama to them. Right, right. And uh, those those instructions, um, they're there for a reason. And I think that, like you said, you can get lost in, in the, the monotony of it. So bringing a, a, a totally different element to any sort of reading text, like you're saying, with the um, theater, I think it's a plus. I think it's a positive, and it's something that should be explored. Um, because what doesn't work for one works for another. Right. Uh -huh. So we should try all these different avenues, knowing that we have all these different types of scholars. Um, <laughs> and so, you say so, in scholars, and most people will call them students. Right. But we're changing our language. We're branding so that the young people can then operate. Because this is a global world. Okay, Absolutely. and they're in competition with people on the other side of the world that they know nothing about. Some some of the students in some locations have never left their town. That's true, and it's a big world out there. So that's a big part of uh, young citizens' piece is to expose them to different things, positive things, because uh, there's all type of opportunities out there. There's all type of challenges out there. Um, so mating up their natural ta talents by engaging them and educating them and then empowering them to walk in their own gifts uh, to move forward and not only affect their local community but even beyond. Well, today I was at a thrift store and I saw a young boy and he was just, I could see talent all on him, the way he was expressing himself and everything. And so I talked to his grandmother and told her what I did and everything. I said, he needs to be in theater. And she says, really? I said, yes. I said, he's, he's got... He exudes it. And I said, he can even come on my radio show. Right. And he was 11 years old. And I said, well, did you ever see a Harry Potter? And he said, yes. I said, well, did you ever want to be a Harry Potter? <laughs> he said, a little bit. Right. <laughs> but it, when you engage young people today, you have to really listen to them. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I always say to be understood, you have to understand. Um, so I, I think that with your exposure to theater, you open his mom, his mom's, his parents' mind to something that she hadn't even thought of before. So sharing our our experiences and reaching out and engaging 
not only youth, but you know everyone that we come in contact with. Sometimes it's open. It open up opens up a whole new avenue. I have a friend. Uh, he has a band called Everyday People Band, and we were talking about people that have all these gifts that don't use them, and they take them to the boneyard when they die. Right. Okay. They, and they don't live to the fullness of their purpose, which they were designed for. And he wrote a song, <laughs> Mister Do Nothing. And it, it really, it's a Mr. and a Mrs. Do-Nothing. Right. <laughs> but in Project Young, what were some of the first steps that you took to initiate this project? Uh, the first step that I took was, uh, I think, was introspect. I looked at where I am today and how I got there. And along the my life journey up to this point, there's always been p- people that have provided positive influences on me. And being exposed to different things uh, through reading, through books, I was able to travel in my mind before I was able to travel the world. You know, I've been to 43 of the 50 states. I've been to numerous countries. But before I was actually on that soil, I had read about those places. So that literacy piece was a big place thing for me because if you can't physically be somewhere or you can't physically meet someone or learn from someone, uh, you you can find all that stuff in a book. So that was the beginning of it, and I connected with some of my veteran brothers, and we came up with a, a strategic plan. Uh, this was prior to COVID taking its full form as we know it now, because the biggest piece was going to be uh, cultural and educational trips. That was going to be our our main stay. Um, but with COVID, social distancing, and things like that, we had to look out and see what that well we could do virtually. So we came up with the micro libraries for kids to check out books to provide a reading incentive because we wanted to boost that literacy level, especially a micro, through a the, micro library. What is that? A small library out in the community. Uh, we have four locations right now, five currently up and running. So it's basically a newspaper stand box full of books. Students can take the books out and we have a little form in there that they fill out, uh, telling them about telling us about themselves. And once a month, I pull the names out of it and I provide a reading incentive uh, for the winner. Obviously, the more books that they read, the more interest that they get, the more chances they have to uh, win an incentive. And it's just to encourage, encourage them to, uh, and, them, and their parents, to be engaged in the reading process. Um, we also have a YouTube channel for young citizens, uh, Y-U-N-G, the word citizens all together, and we have students reading. Uh, so we post them reading on there, and that's mostly for younger readers, even peers, and parents that have a work-life uh, unbalanced um, schedule. They, the kids could go right to the YouTube channel, click on a book, and be read to. So virtually uh, just pushing the parameters of, of our outreach as much as we can in this time of pandemic. Do you plan to expand this throughout Southwest Mississippi? I do. Uh, we're pushing that. We have um, a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club in Tylertown. We have one coming up in Hammond, Louisiana, so in Tangible Hope Parish. So we're pushing the parameters of what we're physically able to uh, facilitate as far as moving around, cycling books, making sure that we can maintain um our catalog and the uh, upkeep of the boxes. Well, you think about <clears throat> they're looking at the third grade scores, and uh, Colin Powell 
said, you look at that scores and what's happening, and you know about how many prisons and jails that need to be built. Right. That third, the third, third grade gateway um, is, is a good indicator of a lot of things. And even graduation rates from high school, so or dropout, right? or dropout rates, mm -hmm. yes. So we, I think that focusing on that, and even earlier, uh, that's why with the micro libraries, we're not as concerned with getting the books back as we are as concerned with getting them in the home, because an elementary student usually uh, in our local area they have siblings up and down. So having that material in the home, uh, one of the younger siblings coming across it, picking it up, or being read to, um, it's, it's, a, it's a force multiplier for us. No, we would have one local assembly here. They have uh, Impact uh, that's out of uh, Jackson State University. And that Impact program is that where um, the pastors and the mothers and fathers read to the children as well, and the children read to themselves. But in addition to that, um, the lady of the, our public library for our children, Miss Maddie, uh, has done a podcast, and she sent it to them reading one of her books. In That's awesome. In reference to, it's uh, Scooter Mouse uh, in the library. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, so, I mean, it, a lot of creative things are happening now because we can't do the things the way we used to do, live our lives. This is true. Uh, we had a reading camp this summer, and that was a face-to-face -face thing. And we had the, the temperature checks and the mask and everything like that. But that's the closest engagement that we've had to uh, our scholars here and in the local, mm -hmm. the local region. Um, I just think the literacy piece is such an important aspect that should be collaborations going on across all spectrums, whether that's in you know the churches, local assemblies. Um, after-school programs, private orgs, nonprofits like ours, um, just getting that message out there because Mississippi is pretty much bottom of the barrel uh, in literacy rates. So um, it's something that's real. It's something that can be affected uh, as long as people uh, understand and are aware and are awakened to the need for it because it pays big dividends down the road. It does because if you look at the incarceration rate and the recidivism, and how much is spent in that arena alone through states, my gosh, it's almost two times as high as what they're putting in on front in public education. You know, right, right now the state of Mississippi pays about 5000 some hundred dollars for a child to be educated. Adequate education, not superior, adequate. And then you'll say, well, what's adequate? <laughs> Read <laughs> one, two, three, four, right. you know? Uh, are there any fine arts in, the, in this adequate education? And I know one of the things that has really helped a lot of young people too in reading was music, being participating in the band. Right. And they were able to, uh, you know, learn different things, math, right there with, with whatever instrument that they were playing. Right. Um, in your challenge in this 21st century, once we get out of COVID-19, where do you think you're going to go? Are you going to syndicate this program throughout the United States? I plan to reevaluate where we are once we come out of this uh, pandemic. Because my big thing with this is finding ways to not only um, make sure that it's productive, but in some instances, it's just extending, extending other programs, uh, like the partnership with the Boys and Girls Club. 
So it's looking out there and see if we're overlapping with things or the things that we can collaborate on. Just looking at it, looking at it, looking at the program holistically um, to see if that there's an actual need for it or could it be an extension of existing programming. Well, there's one thing program that's being developed, and that's myself and others as well as yourself, is working and is creating a cultural center here. Exactly. Yes. And cross culture. It's going. It's going to be called Cross Tech Cultural Center, yes. and it's dealing with the arts, uh, even. Uh, the culinary arts, the theater, uh, dance, I mean, and then dialogues where people can come together. And, you know, because we've been so set apart in reference to whether it was, was race or whether it was gender or whether it was politics, and, you know, we, and then with COVID. So we need to fi have a format where we all can come together and have dialogues and, and enjoy the arts and work with the public schools and private schools as well and home schools. Uh, we have coding now. We have STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, those programs that are in, in our schools today. But some of the rural schools don't have that, don't have those opportunities. That's true. Uh, rural America is at a disadvantage as far as technology and opportunities. Uh, so I think that was a, a big part of um, my thinking as far as going into communities with, with different types of programming because you just don't have, the opportunities just don't exist. But with the Cross Tech Cultural Center, I think my big thing about that, uh, the biggest benefit to me is the communication. You bring so many different types of people with different backgrounds and life experiences having conversations. I mean, just imagine the type of projects and programming that's going to come out of those meeting of the minds and spirits. And, uh, to affect the community. My big thing here, at least my personal slogan is, uh, ethos is, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. You have all these different entities here that are doing great things. Some of us don't know about each other. So I think Crosstech bringing us together is going to elevate the city and the county, southwest Mississippi, Mississippi as a whole. And you know what? That's why we say don't leave your brain at the door. Because We've got so much to offer together. And that's about Have a great day. Don't disrespect my fried chicken or my chocolate cake. No, no. The doors of the church is open. Come on in. Every day and every night. At the Bedside Baptist Pentecostal.